Uh, good evening. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. Um, this is probably going to be, um, well, I'll just start. Yeah. You know, I just want to, I'm just going to share my heart with you guys this, this evening and just kind of, I'm going to start with something and then I hope you guys know that when I come, um, I don't come promoting anything but Jesus. Amen. I really, you know, whatever I say, I'm, a, I'm going to clarify some things, but I don't come preaching against anything other than what stops God's love from entering into your life. And, and sometimes it's us. So I can sound rough sometimes, but it's because you're in the way of what God wants to do in your life. And, and not for any fault of your own, it's just you got some issues. I got some issues that cause us to miss certain moments in life that cause us to not make decisions that make a difference. Now, I'm going to read something to you guys, but it is not with the intent to preach against something specifically. Okay? So please listen with your heart. All right. The power of decisions. The phone rings. The person on the other end says, John, an old friend, has lung cancer and will be operated next week. I'm shocked. Sure, John was a heavy smoker, but John quit smoking five years ago. Now he gets lung cancer? Where's the fairness in that? Although I know the answer. Fairness has nothing to do with it. John is learning the hardest way possible. Not all consequences of smoking disappear when one stops. At least not quickly. John quit when he was 51, but he started smoking when he was 11. Forty years of cigarettes will not be ignored. As someone who smoked a long time and quit only two years ago, I paid close attention to John's story. And though I promised myself I would never become one of those nasty ex-smokers who tr- tries to make everyone who smokes feel like dirt of the earth, I find I have less and less tolerance for secondhand smoke. We know how harmful smoking is. According to the Center of Disease Control, tobacco addiction kills more than 418,000 Americans a year. That is more than alcohol, cocaine, crack, heroin, Homicide, suicide, fires, car accidents, and AIDS combined. The good news is that only 26% of all Americans continue to smoke. The bad news is that according to the American Heart Association, 3,000 children begin smoking every day. I think about that figure a lot, and I know in my heart, while heavy advertising by the tobacco industry to the youth is partly responsible for this sorry statistic, as in glamorizing the smoking and one seeing it on TV and movies. And many of these children smoke or will smoke because, in reality, one of their parents smokes. It's now two years and one month since I quit smoking. Quitting was incredibly hard, and yes, there are still times that I would give almost anything for a cigarette. But I know I've done the right thing by quitting. 
I feel good about it. However, no matter how fine I might feel about the choice I've made, nothing can make up for this. Both of my grown children are smokers. The decisions this writer made 20 years ago when her children were small, the decisions about smoking, the decisions that can't change, decisions she can't change now, those decisions are affecting her children today. It was just a little article that I picked up. And, uh, and I read it, and it really made me apply it to the church. Because part of the problem is, is that we don't recognize the decisions that we make right now impact the next generation. I'm not talking, I'm not, this is not an anti-smoking, okay? Just stop and listen. This is talking about there are consequences that you cannot erase just because you tell your kid to shut up and don't repeat what you said or do. They're learning from you. They're watching how you critique the church. They're watching how you're half-hearted. They watch how you don't obey all the way. They watch that. And what happens is because for years I worked as a youth pastor, I could see the residual of that. Right now in my school, I'm seeing the residual of decisions made by teenage parents, Parents on drugs, alcohol, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's devastating. It's, education right now does not know what to do with these underdeveloped children. We have underdeveloped society, and we're like, we can blame whoever we want. The problem is nobody's taking responsibility for it. And so sometimes in the church, we have a tendency to say, look at that child. That child's in your care. How are you showing them Jesus? How are you... See, the reason I wanted, I wanted to just have a heart-to-heart with you guys, because, see, growing up in the church, my dad always made it clear, before anything else, I was a child of the king. And because of that, there was... that a, We have a bomb warning or something, or is that an amber alert? Amber alert, okay. And I just talk about kids, and look at that, amber alert, look at that. That's got to mean something. Okay. So my father, he didn't care who did what on Sunday. We were going to church. And it wasn't out of religious practice. It's because he would tell us every day of the week, God gives us for us, and we're going to give him one day. My dad taught us how to honor God. It was hard as a kid. I didn't get it. I wanted to be playing with my friends. I wanted to be going hanging out. I wanted, and as I got older, I started trying to find ways to skip out. But my dad was so consistent with us. He was just so consistent. And it wasn't just about being rigid about faith and church and what we did, but it was about his love for God that attracted us and attracted me and, and actually kind of repelled me because I thought, man, he's too committed. He loves God way too much. That scares me. And he, he, he lived that way. And because he lived that way, it scared me that God was going to do something with my life that I didn't want him to do. And so uh, it was tough, not because of the rigidness of, of my family life, but because the standard wasn't here. The standard was here to honor God. Does that, does that make sense? Like what I was talking about this morning, we we create this subculture that says, if you guys do all this, you're perfect Christians. My dad would always tell me, oh, I I don't have answers, but God does. 
I'd be like, don't say that. Tell me you have answers. You know, like I would tell him, I want to see, you know how to do this. And he's like, no, we're going to pray. <laughs> and as a kid, you're like, praying doesn't answer it quick enough. You know, just, just give me money. And my dad would say, you know, I'm serious, right? And my dad would say, my dad would say nope, let's pray. Let, let's seek God on this. And it used to drive me insane. But as I got older, I started to understand the value of that and how I passed it on to my kids. And in passing it on to my kids, I, I was determined to give them a gospel of love rather than judgment. And it's not like free love, like hippie love, okay? I'm talking about love that, that God profoundly loves you because he knitted you in your mother's womb with, with gifts and talents. Now, granted, society... And the enemy does everything to destroy that in you. It does. And as he tries to destroy that in you, whatever self-image you have, you pass that on to the next generation. So, so, so I've been struggling. You know, I told you about the flood in my house. I told you about the expectations at work and, and church. And I just kind of felt like I was going through the motions. And I was very discouraged. I was extremely discouraged. I was stressed. Um, going through a real difficult time because I just kind of felt like, Lord, is this just a, a mousetrap? I mean, seriously. You know, it's like, I'm just, I feel like I'm, I'm just ready. I was like, I'm just moving until I get to the end of my life here. And I want to see more. And so me and my dad had a sit down talk one time and he was telling me, he's just sharing with me, oh, this is what I want to see. And man, it stirred me up. He says, Paul, I've been serving the Lord for 50 plus years. And he goes, and, and he was telling me about every move that he was part of and every move that he saw. And it was stirring my heart. And, 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 and we can glamorize the past so much that we think there's nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. As, if, as if God ran out. Yeah. And now God just wants to just shovel everybody who's in heaven, go to heaven. Everybody who goes to hell, go to hell. Instead of this, and, and so there's a lot of things that are happening right now in our culture. There's prophecies that are going forth. There are words that are going forth. There are movements that are going forth. There are, there's this expectation that, that we're going to come out on top. And because we're not seeing it manifest the way the world has shown it, we're discouraged. Okay? Like, we should have all the money. We should have all the decision-making ability. So we can change this nation back to what it was. Time out. Men still govern this country. Sinful men. Some righteous. Some not righteous. The issue is this. There's always going to be human flaws. This is not going to be the picture of perfection for the kingdom of God. It's going to be culminated. when. Now, I'm not trying to give a lecture. I'm just trying to let us know something. Is it possible that we've become depressed because we're like the disciples saying, and now are you going to give us the, now you're going to give us the, now you're going to give us the positions, now you're going to give us the titles, now we're going to get back at the Romans, now we're going to do this, now we're going to do that. And we're in, we're, we're, it feels like we're working in anticipation of getting recompense for all our trouble. Does this make sense? If you're a little bit older, it makes sense. Because you've been serving a long time. And after a while, I was like, when do I get mine? We don't say it out loud. You don't say it out loud. But at some point, it's like, hey, where's the, where's the blessings at? 
And then, and, and we, and we, we fall short of seeing the real blessings in our life. I wouldn't have done my life the way God did my life. But now, but now, but now, when I walked into the room and saw my grandson for the first time, I walked in, I looked at that boy. I didn't get emotional. I just looked at that boy and said, what can I give you? And the Holy Spirit just, boom, your faith. My faith. Your journey. The story of how you got where you're at right now. Where am I right now? And he said, this is your grandson, and my two sons are there. And, just, and it was just this, this, this thing where I had, a, I had the opportunity to just kind of look at the total of my life. And it was, it, was, it was hard. But I could see God's hand and how solid the decisions Victoria and I made on how we served in the church, how we raised those boys, how we released them to do certain things. I want, to, I want you to hear me on this, okay? Because it was tough. When, when we first got married, we were, we were both just out of college. We were going to make money. And serve God, praise the Lord. And then I got bamboozled and got called into the ministry. I didn't get bamboozled. At least, you know, the idea was, now I'm just going to get into ministry. And when I get into ministry, man, I'm going to get on that speaking circuit. I'm, I'm dynamic. I'm charismatic. Here, here I go. Here I go. And I was networking. And the Lord said, drop that. And I'm like... <laughs> Okay, so you're going you're gonna to do it some other way. You're going to prosper me some other way. Hallelujah. Faith. faith. Yeah, faith. faith. And, and all of a sudden the Lord said, okay. I said, so what are we, what's the plan, Lord? I want you to be a good husband. I am a good husband. Uh, no, you're going to be a good husband. I am a good husband. And I want you to be a good dad. Man, this sounds like woman stuff. I'm not, I'm not into that. <laughs> Where's the conquest? Where's the victories? Where's Goliath's heads? That's what I want. I want Goliath's heads, right? Uh, Come on. Every man in here should be saying amen, but you just don't want to tell on yourself. That's okay. So so here here I am wrestling with with laying down what I want, and, and there would be moments. I'm sorry, but. Josh was eight years old. We're sitting in the kitchen table, and he starts talking about the Lord. And the Holy Spirit would just fall. I'm looking at this boy like, what is wrong with you? And he's talking about God and salvation. He's talking about, I mean, I was like looking at him at Victoria, and I just were like, who is this child? And he had this depth of connection at eight years old with the word of God. And we were homeschooling him, and and then I, and then and then and then we made that decision that we were homeschooling him, and we we're going to homeschool Joseph. Joseph was a whole nother beast. <laughs> He's just a whole nother beast, that boy. You know, he he just had this character and this thing. Like one day he said, "I'm not doing no more homework." And then mom looked at him and said, "Well, wait till your dad gets home." He goes, "Fine, I'll, I'll pay the consequences." He was six years old. <laughs> So I'll pay the consequences. And uh, so I get home, and she tells me, and then he's standing at the top of the stairs, and I said, boy. And he's like, yeah, Dad, what's going on? I wasn't going to do my homework. 
I'll get ready for you to spank me. I said, okay. So he told me later, like, I didn't know he had put on extra underwear. So he was kind of preparing for it. He has been such a leader in our church, that boy. That boy has been such a leader in our church. They are so close to Tori and I, even though they're men. We fight like the, we fight like the Dickens with them because they're strong-willed, but they love the church. They love God. They love. They see the value in what we have invested in them, and, and so. I wouldn't have done it that way. I, I would, I would, I would have been Superman and come in and out of their life because I was out ministering, but I wouldn't have been the man in their life. And and, and so, because I have a ton of friends that their kids feel like orphans, and their kids, some of their kids don't serve the Lord anymore. So I'm telling you, I, I would have been like them. But the Lord, for some reason, separated me. And through my decisions, Tori and I have come to this place in our life where we understand that the ministry is not about building ourselves, but building up the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So in this journey that we've been in, I was struggling really big time. And about three weeks ago, the Lord gave me a dream. And I was having a really hard time because I have you know, several things happened that, Couple kids at my school that were, I had them in junior high, sixth, seventh grade. Uh, Girls got pregnant. And, uh, and, and, you know, it just, you're seeing this girl now who's 16, 15, and they're like, what do I do, mister? And I'm like, you see this evil cycle that's in the system. And I'm like, man, it's all. So I was, it was a bad, it was a rough week. And so, uh, I had a dream. And, and, and I can name on one hand the prophetic dreams that the Lord gave me. But this is the dream, and I want to share it with you tonight. That's why I want to just be very personal with you and just give you some insight into something that I feel the Lord's saying. It says, so here's how the dream goes. The dream was we were at a family retreat, a family church retreat. And I knew that it was our church, but I also knew that it was the body of Christ at, at large. It wasn't just our church. And it was, it was just we were in this campsite and there was just a lot of people, and there was just a big, big church. And I want you to understand, okay, I'm not teaching this as doctrine. I'm teaching this as an experience as the Lord giving me insight. So what happens is at each phase, and I will interject it, there would be a certain thing that would happen, and, the, and a scripture would just like slam me on the side of the head. Like I knew that was connected to this. So what happened was there were, we were at a family retreat. It was time to leave. So I was walking around letting all the different families know it was time to pack because we had to leave. It was night and it was raining. And when I told the families, some of the parents got upset and they said, oh, and I came in kind of, I remember in the dream, I was very like, hey, you guys, let's get ready. We got to move. Pack up. This is over. We got to get. Hey, guys, let's go. Pack up. Time to go. And I knew there was, there was semi-trailers that were ready, and it was just this, this big move. And so I was like telling all, it was like, and I knew right then the Lord was telling me like Joshua 3, when he goes through the camp, he tells him, get ready, sanctify yourself. It was like the Lord was just showing me in real time. 
And he says, sanctify yourself because you're about to go somewhere that you don't know how to do. You've got to be ready. So when I start telling the families, one, you know, one, the parents start going, oh, come on, really? And I looked at them and I said, what? And I'm like, oh, the kids are going to be so disappointed. I said, it's time to go. And they're like, oh. And so I looked at them and I was, and I knew and I could see that while the parents were in the retreat, the kids were in Disneyland. Now, I'm not preaching against Disneyland, okay? <laughs> Just slow your roll. Don't get this twisted. What I understood was that while, while the adults were getting ready, they were entertaining the kids. So what happened was, I come back around, and I was, I come back around, uh, I started telling everybody, it's time to go, it's time to go, it's time to go. And then when I walk up, there's one kid who's an adolescent, and the, they were brother and sister. And they were, they're, they're real people for me, I know who they are. And there was a younger brother. And they were dressed in a certain color, and I'm not going to get into all the color and the imagery of that, but they were dressed in a certain color, and they were weeping. And so when I was coming in, I'm telling, okay, you guys ready? You guys ready? You guys ready? And I see them, and then I see the little girl, and I said, why are you crying? And she just looked at me, and she was like, oh! You know, I know I deal with teenagers all the time. I know what that means. They didn't have to say nothing. Oh, my God! And she was so upset. Attitude. And if you guys got a teenage daughter, you know what I'm talking about. So I was in this attitude, and I just looked at her, and I was like, Okay. And then I turned and I said, let's go, people, let's go, let's get ready, start loading up, start loading up. And then the little boy came up to me and he looked at me and he starts cursing me. And he starts talking, he starts cursing me. And, um, I, I'm, I, you know, it wasn't like, ah, you're talking. I was looking at the boy like, and I was going to ignore him, but I felt the fear of the Lord come in. And because I wanted to protect him, I told the dad, get your kid now. Get him. Cover him. And the dad's all. And I was going over, not to punish the kid, but to cover him because I knew that the fear of the Lord was coming. And when I went to cover the kid, the next generation, starting with my sons, came and they put their hand on my chest and they said we got this dad and they started walking towards the kid and all the faces that I had spent time and planted seeds in which was the younger generation started surrounding that kid and they said we got this and I just knew instinctively that they were going to they were going to lead the charge for the for the salvation of that generation I knew that so in the process then, then, uh, cause the dad looked helpless. So, it was midnight hour, and then I was, and then everything was packed up. It was raining, it was, it was this real, so, so, several things the Lord spoke to me. Number one, He talked to me, Joshua 3, get ready, sanctify yourself, set yourself apart. To cross into the promised land. Okay? And, and it was interesting because I really felt when I went to go see 
the, church, the building, the property. See, I, I, the reason I want to talk with you guys is this. And, and I mean, I know, I know Larry didn't mean it this way or anything, but he goes, yeah, I've shown this people, and people get jealous. I was overjoyed. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't want to, I, I was trying to be careful not to scream in that place. Mm-hmm. I'm overjoyed with the blessing that God is giving you. But you got to sanctify yourself. You got to set yourself apart. You, you need to allow the Lord to cut away some of the, the the some of the stuff that you learned here will transfer. Some of it will not. And you have to let the Holy Spirit show you what needs to be trimmed away, even if it hurts. <coughs> even if it hurts, because because there are some ideas that are you and not God. There are some ideas that are, are your comfortability. So then the Lord took me, and, and in one of those trans, when they were like, oh, we don't want to leave, the Lord said, Joshua 5. And the Lord tells Joshua, make a flint for yourself to, to circumcise the generation that grew up in the wilderness, the wildness, and is going to take their parents' place. And there's this clarity in which it's, it's not out of religious practice as much as it is for preparation for where they're going. It's about being set apart for the Lord in such a way that there's a covenant that goes deeper, deeper than just the practice of circumcision. So, so there are some things that the Lord wants to cut away in your life because the covenant is deeper than what makes you comfortable. Do you understand what I'm saying? What the Lord has done to rescue you goes beyond whether or not, oh, I just want to stay. I'm so comfortable here. Because there are going to be seasons when you go over there and go, why did we move? We should have just stayed there. We were fine. Because it's work. Because it's work when the loss come to you and now you got to pick, you got to do poopy diapers again. It's work. See, all of you know each other. You can call each other on your junk. Or you can just ignore each other. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You can look at somebody and go, I'm not going to talk to them today. Because you just know. You see. But, but when, when you don't know crazy until you actually talk to somebody. We, we, we got this, this girl that, that she's she's kind of semi in transition as far as homeless but she has some mental health issues and uh she started calling people at three in the morning panicking you guys gotta pray for me the devil's after me and after the point we say hey 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 look at me stop it i'm not gonna answer my phone you guys don't love me we love you enough to tell you cut that out okay either grow up go get did you are you taking and then we start saying are you taking your medication are you doing this I don't want to talk to y'all now. Because she doesn't want to be held accountable. Yeah. And, and the first thing she wants to do is, like, I just, I don't why do you guys tell me about medication? I don't know. You have problems, honey. I'm not saying Jesus can't take you off of that. But we've got to start being real with real people. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm talking about being kind and loving enough to tell the truth. And the other part of it is this, that as the Holy Spirit moves, be careful of judging another person's encounter with God. 
I have people in my church that go nuts. And then I have other people that just, they're as stiff as a statue. I don't judge either one. I I don't sit there and go, emotionalism, non-emotionalism. Each one is going to be responsible when they come before the Lord with the moments that they have with God. What is my job? To love them. That's my job. So, I want us to understand this because I feel like the transition you're about to take, okay, I just felt this from the Lord. Your expectations need to be trimmed from your expectations to God's expectations, okay? And what I mean by that is this. You want it to be easy. It's not. This is warfare, folks. Whether the transition was easy or not, you're going to walk over there and go, man, people in this area, they don't get it. Of course they don't. This is a transition. The Lord has called you to go in to a place. It's not about people. It's about powers and principalities. Mm, Y'all better get your armor on or you're going to get a rock to the head. I'm serious. And it's not about you going in all super spiritual and we're here to take down demons. And it's a, no, no. It's about you going in and everything that you learned here, apply it. What you guys do with, with uh, Kiwanis and uh, Awanis, take it another level. Because you're going to get some, you're going to get different kids now. That's right. And these kids are, well, we got most of them anyway. Yeah, yeah, but you're going to get a few that are on the spectrum. And you're going to be like, can we trade this one? And you got to kill them with kindness. You got to kill them with kindness. You got to kill them with kindness and love and the Spirit of God. See, because sometimes we think that's not spiritual. We want the shakabala and the whoo and the hula and the lay them out, Jesus. And, and, and sometimes the Lord just wants you to be kind. Sometimes the Lord just wants you to be patient. I had people coming up to me saying, What's wrong with you? I'm in the middle of this whole disaster in my house. What's wrong with you? You're not the same. Uh, I know. (laughs) What would you need? I just feel like you're mad at me. I'm not mad at you. I'm about to be, but I'm not mad at you. (laughs) What did you need? Oh, I just... Same old, same old. I'm sorry. I don't have time for same old, same old right now. I got a lot going on. Don't take it personal. I, I'm just, I have to move forward. So when I had this dream, the Lord, the, the next part of it was this. The Lord showed me that about the church. But then I was in this tractor trailer. It was a huge semi. And I was exhausted. And I was sitting in the passenger seat. And I was just sitting there like this. And I could see myself. And I was just exhausted. And I was just like, Lord, I'm exhausted. And I heard the truck start. And I turned, and when I turned, I saw uh, somebody from the older generation that I truly respect and love. And they were about to drive the truck in the rain and in the midnight hour. And I could tell they were insecure because they didn't have the energy that they once had. And so when I looked, I said, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm driving. And are you sure? And I said, yeah, it's, it's my turn to drive. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I switched seats with them. And when I switched seats with them, I got in. And when I got in, 
it was like this puzzle that was in front of me. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen these black and white puzzles where they show staircase that goes to nothing and you're trying to figure out how where it goes and there's like this road that goes in the, and it was black and white and I was just looking at that going, wow, that sure is confusing. <laughs> and it was black and white. Mm-hmm. And that means a lot too. Okay? And so what happened was there was this path that was the expected path. And so I said, okay, well, here we go. And I put it in gear, and when I put it in gear, I start to go, and I realize that the wheels are going off the edge of a cliff. And so I just put it in reverse, floor it, and I put, we pulled the trailer back up. And when we did, I said, man, we almost went over a cliff. And it's like the fear of the Lord came on me. And, I was, and what was, I was conscious of was, I don't know if I'm supposed to back up. And now this is now this is something that goes deeper for me, okay? Because sometimes we feel that if we back up, we, we're not we're not being spiritual or faith filled. And sometimes doctrine says we got to go forward and conquer everything. And then sometimes the Lord says back up a little bit because you're about to go off a cliff. So it it, it shook me when you were telling me about something that you said and you had to backtrack because because the reality of it is, folks, you're not Samuel. Your, your words will fall to the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay? Your words will fall to the ground. And you got to be careful. You have to show the... I, I'm doing a... I'm going to start a series in my church about building the church upon humility. And the power of that. The problem is we think we know too much. Yeah. And, and what happens is we're not willing to just back up a little bit. And so then at that point I said, well, what do I do? And the Lord said, I want you to go off this grid. And I knew black and white in front of me, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'll figure this puzzle out. And the Lord says, that's distraction. He thought, that is distraction. But for me, it was like, this is what the church looks like. I I know you're not fully tracking with me, but you will. Okay? And what ended up happening was the Lord said, I need you to go off the grid. I need you to go on the side. And when I went off on this road, then again, Joshua, Joshua 3 comes back to me and it says this. And keep your, your eye on the presence because you're about to go somewhere you've never been before. And you need to discern my voice. And so I start turning this big thing and we start going down this path. And I said, okay, Lord, is, is, I'm going to follow your direction. Okay? So, uh, now I, I want us to go to, now you can go with me to Colossians. You guys okay? Yes? All right. Colossians 2. And then, then I, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost going to wrap this up. So, when we go to Colossians 2, there, there's some things that I want to address in this text. Because I think that it's important. Again, we're kind of running with the theme here, but one, part of it is this, is that we have to be careful of our subculture and our subculture mindset. Okay? If we're going to build a healthy church and a church that, that blesses families and restores and redeems communities, then we're going to have to hear God on things versus what is the norm of, of what would deem you as a as a good Christian. 
Okay, I want to be, because some of you look at me like, so I'm not a Christian, I'm not supposed to, no, no, no. In these days, we have to depend more on God's voice and his word than our opinion. And that the opinion of people. I get a little bit concerned with this ideology that we're going to get to the top and influence all the way to the bottom. If that were true, Jesus would have done it. Look at scripture. Mm-hmm. Why does Jesus deal with the poor? Why is he born in a manger? Mm-hmm. Be born in a palace. Start at the top. Trickle down. That's not how God did it. Amen. Amen. I, I, listen, this is, if you want to really do some, some study on the scripture, understand that the Lord dealt with the poor. He loved people. There's just not money in it. That's why people are not drawn to it. That's why the message changes sometimes. And this is not a message against any type of teaching. What I'm telling you is this. We have lost our sensibility of compassion and kindness because we're more concerned with making it. We're more concerned with success. We're more concerned. And and, and in your... There was a season in my life where, where... we were broke as broke can be, and I had to I had to get on welfare to try to have one of my kids, because we we didn't, and I was full time in ministry, not full time paid, full time in ministry, and we were in trouble, and the little savings I had in a in a in a retirement thing, they made me drain it. I mean that was the only thing I had, and they made me drain it, and said okay give that towards your medical, and we were like, that's not gonna even cover. A twentieth of it. Well, you got to get rid of it. You got to be poorer. And I'll never forget. I had just preached at a big old youth rally, and I was sitting there, and I mean, it was just glorious. And now I'm in welfare, and I'm sitting there in the welfare thing, and we're sitting there, and they're giving us hell, and it's already embarrassing, and I'm already humiliated, and I'm like, Jesus, this is not you. I was mad. And then, wouldn't you know it, here come two youths from the rally, and they're like, hey, look at you, what you doing here? I'm like, um, wait, you preached amazing last night. I'm like, good night. Add injury to insult, you know, it's like, why are you here at welfare? That's Jesus. <laughs> and so... So they left, and I was embarrassed, and I'm sitting there, and the Lord says, look around. The Lord got mad at me. He said, look around. No. <laughs> he says, lift your head up and look around. I start looking around. All the homeless and the broken and all the teen moms, and I was looking at that. He said, if you never had gone through this, you would never see this need. You never see this need. Paul, you always want to be on the mountain. There's sometimes the valley is going to teach you more than the mountain. Amen. And I'm just like, ah, I do want to be on the mountain. Doggone it. I do. And the Lord said, those valleys are just as important, if not more so, to teach you, to teach you, to hold loosely to the things that you think are going to get you. Whatever you think is going to get you. Colossians says this. I wish you could know how much I have struggled for you. 
for the church in Laodicea, and for the many other friends I have yet to meet. I get emotional about this because you don't understand how much a minister struggles for you. You don't understand how much the pastor struggles for you. I'm not telling you this to lift up a pastor. I'm telling you it's, it's the truth. They, 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 they want for you more than you want for yourself sometimes. I got people in my church that hmm, huh, seems like you don't care about me. You don't even know the struggle that I have. I, we, we pray for you. We talk about you. We're concerned about you. I'm, I'm debating how to make sure that I can connect with you to make sure that you don't give up on yourself. And I mean, I mean, that's just one family. I have a guy coming in and say, I feel like God's forgot about my call on my life. He misses every other Sunday because his kid, he's got him in club soccer. I, this is not against club teams. This is not, listen, this is not against. I want you to hear me. There are things that are cultivated because you sacrifice. And he's all talking to me and he's gotten to the point where he doesn't even want to look at me no more because he thinks I'm judging him. And now his kids don't want to come to church. And his kids don't want to connect. And he's like, well, there's just not enough programs here. Are you? You're... So I have to sit back and go, sorry. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe there's another place that's a better fit. I got to hold loosely to him. Even though I have wrestled for him. They were going to get divorced. We helped them through that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, it was just, uh, just un, um, their, do, their, their daughter and their kids were crazy. And we counseled them and worked with them. And now it's our fault. <laughs> you know, I mean, just those things that make you go tilt, you know, like. And I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this. I'm talking about for everybody who has a passion in the church and you want to see people liberated. This is the price you pay. Yeah. This is the price you pay. Yeah. Because you believe for them and you pray for them and you do and you give and you're, you're connected and all those things and they crap on you. And all of a sudden you're like, I quit. I quit every Sunday. But the Bible says that even though we're crushed on every side, even though we're, we're, every, we're not crushed, we get back up. I get back up. Verse 2. I am contend, contending for, for you that your hearts be wrapped in the comfort of heaven and woven together into love's fabric. This is the Passion Translation, so it's a little different. This will give you access to all the riches of God. What will give you access to the riches of God? Being wrapped in Him. Being wrapped in Him. Together in... Woven together, together. Look at the person next to you and say, I think I might need you. Okay? All right? Now, you might not like that, and it might make you uncomfortable, but there is something about unity that brings us into the, to the fullness of what God wants to do. So that what happens is, instead of you criticizing somebody who hasn't been to church for a while, go to them and say, do you need prayer? Because I'm concerned with where, that, that I haven't seen you. Is everything all right? Instead of speculating, well, you know, I heard 
the, the, the devil is a liar. I mean, you need, to, you need to be that person that regardless. Do you know how many people have talked on me? And I still go up to them and say, hey, love you. You all right? You okay? And I know you don't like me. And, and I, not, not that I know you don't like me. I, I'm not stalking you on Facebook or nothing like that. Don't worry. <laughs> but, but, you know, but it's that thing where I'm sitting there and I'm, I know you've got beef with me. But I still say, hey, man, love you. And then they're like. Oh, Pastor Paul does care. Of course I do, you idiot. I'm not playing no games. I'm concerned for your salvation and for the next generation. I stopped it in my church quick. When they started telling me, watch out, there's a pastor. He's going to get you if you don't behave. Don't you do that. What's wrong with you? Because when they have problems with their school and with their life, who are they going to come to if they can't come to you? I want them to know they can come to Pastor Paul and that I'm going to love them and care. I got, the other day, Victoria was in a store. And there's a lady that used to go to our church. She left our church. Her grandkids come to our church. And with tears in her eyes, she came up to Victoria and she said, You have so impacted my granddaughters. She says, I'm overwhelmed with how much they love and respect you. It's because of her parents. Her parents grew up in our youth ministry. They teach their kids. When we can't answer it, they can. Now, I don't like that kind of pressure, but I understand what they're saying. My, my, he's the closest friend of mine, Eric. He says, if I'm not here, he will always be here. I'm like, well, slow down because I'm a little older than you. <laughs> but, but it's that sense of community that even though, and, and, and we saw this, she left our church, but we love on her. And, and, she, and, you know, he'll tell me, my mom misses the church so much, but she won't come up because of her pride. I said, ugh. We love her anyway. Y- y'all went, ugh, because you, you know people like that. Because of their pride, because they said something stupid, and, they, and, and you have to leave that door open. Yeah. Now, some of them left, you're glad. <laughs> and, and you're like, please don't come back. We have a couple of those. When they come visit, we're like, oh, you're not coming back, are you? No, no. We just wanted to visit. This will give you access to all the riches of God as you experience the revelation of God's great mystery, Christ. Do you understand Christ is still a big mystery? You can, know, uh, you can know him and know certain things, but there's still a lot about Jesus you don't know. Amen. There's still a lot that's to be discovered. Verse 3, for our spiritual wealth is in him, like hidden treasures waiting to be discovered. Heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation and knowledge. Okay, I want you to know this so no one will come and lead you into error through a persuasive argument and clever words. Hello? Okay, this is what I want you to understand. The hidden treasures in God go beyond, go beyond what sometimes we can truly comprehend. I don't know if I told you about this experience one time. I was in church, I was sitting there, and the Lord wanted to hug me. And the way I saw this, worship was booming in our church that day. And I was just like, wow. And I closed my eyes and I see my dad, 
in, in my, like I'm sitting here and I can see my dad clearly at the altar. And I see my dad at the altar and I was like, what's that, what's he doing in the altar? And my dad was just going like this, going like this. And then I'm like, look at my dad. But I had my eyes closed and I could, I mean, the Holy Spirit was on me. And all of a sudden, my dad turns around and he just like comes at me like this. And I, oh, I popped open my eyes and I was like, what is going on? I'm losing it. And my dad was right here next to me. And all of a sudden, I said, that was bizarre. And, and, and I was, so I closed my eyes again. And I start, and I mean, the Holy Spirit comes again. And I see my dad again. And I said, Lord, what is this? And again, my dad turns and he comes to me like this. And I was like, ah! And I said, and I didn't want to close my eyes again. But it was, the presence of God was so sweet. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, how come you don't trust me? I said, what do you mean I don't trust you? That's weird. That's something I can't explain. That's strange. And he said, I just want to give you a hug. You want to hug me? But why, why my dad? He says, because you love your dad and you honor your dad and you trust your dad. So that's the way I'm coming to you. So I close my eyes again. I see my dad. I said, pick me up. And he did. And I felt, man, this just overwhelming sense. And, and, and you got people, show me that in the Bible. Show me that in the Bible. Those experiences are the richness of the relationship with him. There are things that are not written, but God still gives us those experiences. And let me tell you something. I could be a mean person. It's those experiences soften my heart that causes me to have compassion on people that I could easily find a way to discredit you and bring you that you're straight going to hell. Whereas the Lord has so softened my heart because I know his love for me, his compassion for me, those experiences with me, that it sits there. And when I see somebody who deserves what they get, God breaks my heart for them. I say, hey, listen, I'm going to cover you. I love you. I'm praying for you. And and, and I don't want that from you. It's okay. I'm going to give it to you. All right. You guys okay? All right. And then Paul says in verse 5, Even though I am separated from you geographically, my spirit is present there with you. I am overjoyed to see how disciplined and deeply committed you are because you have such a solid faith in Christ, the anointed. So, when we were driving, when we were, drive, not driving, when we were flying here, the Lord, the Lord, um, I was just listening to music and the Lord gave me a word for Larry. But this is for all of us. But it's for Larry. And it's different. I just want you to know that right, right up front. I just really sense from the Lord we needed to have this sit down heart to heart to talk about being ready. Some of you might walk away. I'm not saying who it is or whatever. I'm just saying. Some of you might not like the move. Because it's work. Because it's work. And you are comfortable here. Uh, some of you are not going to like the fact that you need to give more in, in every aspect, even though you might say you don't have it. 
and and I, and, I, and it, it's not that it falls on any one particular person. I'm talking about everybody. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a season of sacrifice. I, you know, I was reading, I was reading the autobiography of Reinhard Bonnke, and uh, man, he, he tells this story. He tells this story about this man who looked like a beggar, and the man looked like a beggar, and he would come to Bonnke. And he and and so Bunky had this compassion for him and said, "Hey, you know, you guys know who Right Hand Bunky is, right? Yeah." And so he says that he looks at him, and he's like thinking, "Man, I need to give him some food, or give him something." And and the man sits there and says, "I need to talk with you." And he pulls Bunky to the side, and he says, "The Lord has spoken to me," and he pulls out this wad of money, and he says, "Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this for for the harvest that's coming." And Bonky says, you can't give me this. And he says, oh, no, no, no. He says, he says and, and so Bonky became, developed a friendship with him. He was actually an extremely rich man, but he dressed like a beggar because his sons were alcoholics. And he did not want his sons taking his money to, to, to satisfy whatever it is that they wanted. He had this conviction that it was for reaching the loss. So he dressed like a beggar, but every once in a while he would come and he, and he Bunky would said he would, he would drop $10,000 on him. And just, and, and so, and then get this. So at the end, th- this man is, is getting older in age. He comes and he tells Bunky, my time has come. And Bunky's like, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like, my time has come and I want to give you everything that I have in my account. Right? So he says, so he says, oh, he says, because the Lord spoke to me, there is coming a harvest. This was just before the breakthrough in Africa. And he says, and and he says, I got to give you this for souls. So they go to the bank and the, and the bank is trying to protect them. And they said, can't do that. We can't give you all the money. So the guy's like, well, give it, you know, give him, I want him to have every cent for souls. So what happened was. They, they argued with him, and they were calling him, like all this kind of stuff. And finally, the, the, the old man says, Bunky, go there. I'm going to go talk to this bank manager. He goes in there. He comes out. He says, the money's yours. He says, how did you do that? He goes, the only thing I left in my account was enough for my funeral. So I didn't close my account. I just left, and it was like a couple hundred dollars. And he says, this is my life's call. This is my life's call. And he says, and I want to go out with nothing. <laughs> Putting it all on the table. Oh, I see, this is, this is next level because we think whoever dies with the most toys wins. No, you just die. But you didn't fulfill the mandate on your life. I just, I feel so impassioned about this. Folks, you're embarking on something you have no idea. The Lord spoke to me. He's going to blow your mind. If you sit on your butt and say, well, blow my mind, Lord, it's not, you're not, mind's not going to be blown. Because mm-hmm. you're going to sit there and not get your hands dirty with the vision. Mm-hmm. Everything you do in that place, from changing the toilets to changing the lights to changing everything, say, Jesus, be glorified in this place. Be glorified in this plumbing. Be glorified in these walls and everything that you do. It's not your final destination.
this, I, I, I'm going to give you a scripture that the Lord gave me for, for the church right now. But I need to speak this over you, okay? So I'm not trying to put on a show, but if you could stand right here with Susan. And I, I'm going to speak this over you. This is a song. And then Victoria is going to dance the song, okay? So this, this is the word for you, my friend. The words, the words say this. It's personalized, but I changed the words to, to, for you. Hmm. You've walked among the shadows. And he has wiped away your tears. You have felt the pain of heartbreak. And have seen the brighter days. You've prayed prayers to heaven. For some, from some of the lowest places. You have held the blessings and you have witnessed God give and take away. <laughs> no matter what you have, you have recognized His grace is enough. No matter where you have been, you stood in His love. On the mountains, you have bowed your life to the one who put you there. In the valleys, you've lifted your eyes to the one who sees you there. When you have stood on the mountain, you know you didn't get there on your own. And when you've walked through the valley's end, you know that you're not alone. He has been your God in the hills and the valleys. God of the hills and the valleys, you know you're not alone. You've watched your dreams be broken. But in Him, you've hoped again. No matter what you know or don't know, you know that He's the God of your hills and your valleys. You've seen the Father give and take away. You've seen every joy and every pain. Through it all, you have declared in your heart, He's over it all. You've seen the Father give and take away every joy and every pain, and through it all, you have remained solid that He is Lord over it all. Would you just extend your hand towards Larry? So the Lord said to me that there's going to be an overflow of love and grace that's going to come your way because you have seen that over it all, he's the God of the hills and the valley. Because you have been faithful in the little, now you're going to see the release of the creativity of God. The creativity in miracles, signs, and wonders. And the Lord says to you, there's things that you have dreamed about. There are things that you have hoped for that are going to come. You're going to see the redemption and the restoration of some of the most difficult people. But not difficult because they're religious. Difficult because they're broken. And just see them restored. 
beyond what you could even imagine. Mm-hmm. And so the, what, what you have seen so far, in just little glimpses, the Lord says it's going to be multiplied. Mm-hmm. And this is the word of the Lord over the church. Okay? In Acts chapter, the reason the Lord is moving you over there, in Acts chapter 8, Saul was persecuting the church. Christ is preached in Samaria because he has unfinished business to do. And this is what the Lord said. Verse 8, it's just a short verse. It says, and there was great joy in the city. And there was great joy in the city. Doesn't mean there's not going to be conflict and there's not going to be opposing spirits and all that kind of stuff. But the Lord says, I'm putting you in the city, in the center of the city, because there's going to be an outbreak of great joy. Your city of refuge is now going to become a place where shame can be put to the side. You don't have to be on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to be in the middle and great joy. You guys are going to bring great joy to the city. That's what the Lord's saying. Amen. Okay? So I'm going to ask Victoria to come. She's going to dance this and release this word over you guys, mm-hmm. over this church. And then I'm going to pray for the rest of you. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right.
Stand. Jen wanted a picture of the Great Wall, but I can barely see it. That's okay. <laughs> Would you just close your eyes for a minute? Every up and down, he's been there. Every up and down, he's been there. Some of you have been struggling. What's next? Don't worry about it. Let it go. He's there. But what's next? Tell me what's next. He's there. He's there. He just needs you to take that first step now in your heart to what he's calling you to. But it sounds crazy. That's him. That doesn't sound so crazy. That's you. If it's easy, it's you. If it takes a village, the body of Christ, it's him. And so right now, I just, I break off depression. I break off insecurity that God does not see you or does not know you or he's just, I thought we were going up from here. What's going on? It's not so much the things people tell you, but the things you tell yourself. I'm not good enough. That's why he walked away. I just got to get my stuff straight. He's never stopped loving you. He's never stopped caring about you. It's time to put on your adult faith clothes and start believing that this is the season that God is going to begin to release in your life the grace, the grace to share your life and, with, and, and the testimony of your life. Even if words are, are going to be necessary. Some of you, you're just going to be who you are and God's going to, God's going to use you to, to just touch people's lives. But I just wanted right now, I, just, I felt like the Holy Spirit is just breaking off the fog off of you. The fog off of your mind. 
the fog off of you like I just just kind of how I was sitting in that passenger seat just exhausted some of you are exhausted in your spirit you're exhausted I'm trying Lord I just can't figure this out this hurts I don't get it I'm tired of asking what did I do wrong and the Lord the enemy has been distracting you from counting it all joy, from rejoicing. You've been limiting the joy in your life because you feel if you get too happy, something's going to go wrong. And the Lord is just wanting you to just rejoice in Him. Rejoice. But what if something, what if it does? You got Jesus. What if it does? You have the Lord in your life. Come on. He said, living waters will flow from you. Living waters. Not stagnant religion. Not just things that you memorized. It's, it's fresh. His, his grace is new every morning. Every morning. You gotta get up. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I can keep moving forward. Every day, there should be a resurgence of confidence and rejoicing because you are alive and God has a purpose for you. It doesn't matter who's with you, who's not with you. What matters is, are you connected to Him? And are you rejoicing in Him? Some of you have been saying, I see some of you having like a cloud over you. And you said, if this cloud just disappeared, I'd be happy. You need to rejoice even when there's a cloud. Even when there's lightning. And the Lord, I just feel like the Lord is, your weapon is going to be your rejoicing. Your weapon is going to be your rejoicing. You need to give him credit. (laughs) You need to give him a praise on credit. And just believe that this, this next, this, 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 it's always something else, right? But the Lord says, right now, would you just give him just thank you, Jesus, a praise, just to say, Lord, you're good. Even though there's pain in my life, even though everything, you're good. You're a good father. You're a good father. And it's hard for me, but I'm telling you right now, you're a good father. I may not be where I want to be, but it's not over yet. It's not over what you were going to do in my life, Lord. Let faith arise in you. Let faith arise in you right now. Nothing is impossible for him. Let faith arise. Hey. Hmm. Let faith arise. I need a word. You are a word. I need a word. You are a word. The power of your testimony is a word. How he put you on the mountaintop and then how he helped you in the valley. This is a word for you guys. Don't forget. Let it be close to your heart. That at every season of the history of this church, he has been with you guys. He has never left you nor forsaken you. And it's okay, those who decided it's something else for them. That's fine. But you got to move with, with swiftness into the joy of the Lord. And don't let anybody hinder what God is doing in your life right now. Okay? Just, I, I need you to... Whether I give you a word or not, you need to say nothing is going to hinder what God is doing in my life right now. God is doing something amazing in my life. Well, who told you? God told me. God promised me. When? When I got saved. 
when I got saved. Hey, come on. Yeah, no, I need you to get there. Some of you are not there yet. Some of you got to, you're still waiting for a word and you are a word. You're still waiting for somebody to put hands on you. It's a miracle what's going on in your life. It's a miracle. It's, don't let the enemy lie to you and say, oh, everybody, everybody goes through that. Everybody gets that. Oh, that's just luck. That's not luck. It's God. It's God working in your life. It's God. Hey, hey, nah, come on. Nah. So, see, you're not in touch with your real testimony. You're in touch with your testimony. You're in touch with that thing, that, the things you don't tell people. You, there's the things you don't tell people. That's your real testimony. Yeah, that's your real testimony. How you almost walked out, but you didn't. How God gave you the grace to not quit. How God gave you the grace to not cheat. How God gave you the grace to not lie. How God gave you the grace to not, to not, to not, to not do that. You would have done it, but you didn't do it. I guess I just, it was a bad day. No, no, no. It was the Spirit of God holding you back so that you don't lose your place for what He has for you. Quit looking, quit being your own worst enemy. Quit speaking in agreement with the enemy over your life. He's a good father. He's a good father. You didn't have a good father, but he's a good father. Come on. This, I just feel something in the spirit. It's got to break. It's got to break. It's got to break. You need to rejoice that your father's giving you a new house. Amen. <laughs> he's giving you a new house. Yes, it's worth. Yes, that's from him. Hi, <laughs> I was overjoyed. There was not one ounce of jealousy in me. I said, "Boy, you're a good father. You're a good father." I looked at the beauty of all of that. It's old, yeah. There's some old stuff in there, but it was beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and then that coupled with you guys praying and believing that God's giving you the city. Can you take somebody's hand right now? Take somebody's hand. I want you to declare this. God is giving us Andrews. 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 Yeah, it's not just, and, and, and it's not just going to be about city of refuge. It's going to be about all the churches. God's going to give you Andrews. Yeah, yeah. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. You're not going to be known as a religious city. You're going to be known as the city of God that, that reflects His glory. Hey. Yeah, come on. Just start, just start declaring. Just start declaring. Lord, Lord, this is your move. This is your move. And we're going to move when you say to move. We're going to respond when you say to respond. Come right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord. We are going to prepare our hearts for this move. We're going to prepare our hearts for this move. We break all insecurity. We break all fear. We break all anything that the enemy is saying is a lie. And we declare your goodness going into the land. Going into the land. We declare your goodness. And so, God, you're giving us the city. You're giving us the city. You're giving us the city. And no matter how fortified it is, with powers and principalities, we're going to worship those walls down. We're going to worship until the walls fall. We're going to worship until, until there is a shake in Andrews. And, and, and people are going to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
Hey, come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Yeah, right there. Mix your faith with His. He wants this. He wants this or He wouldn't have put you there. He wouldn't have put you there. It was good that you were afflicted. It was good that you were disciplined. It was good that He chastened you. He was good that, because you, when you get to that mountaintop, you're going to bow and say, you put us here, God. You put us here. No devil in hell can take us out of here because you put us here. Hey, Jesus. Now, I want you, as you're holding that hand, I want you to pray. I release every gift in you to f- operate in the fullness of God. Right now, you just say, every gift that's in you, we need you. We need you. We need you. We need your gift. We need what God has placed in you. And every gift that's in you, we declare right now, is activated. Is activated. 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 Hey, in the name of Jesus, it's activated. Because we need you. We need you. We need your part of the body. We need what you bring to the house. Your faith. Your love, your embraces, your hugs, your, your, your wisdom, the things you've been through. We, God wants to activate it to help this next generation, to embrace this next generation and tell them, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, I wouldn't be here right now. If it wasn't for God who was on his side. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. You have permission to rejoice. You have permission to rejoice. You have permission. You have permission to celebrate. You have permission to celebrate. Yes, you have permission to celebrate the goodness of God. It will not run out. It will not run out. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes, Jesus, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, come on, yeah, you have permission to walk in the confidence of being a son or a daughter, come on, folks, don't hang your heads, okay, no matter what's going, I was walking through the church and people were, there's not one time I said, hey, pray, feel sorry for me because my house is flooded. I kept preaching the gospel. I kept worshiping with all my heart. Victoria kept dancing. We kept doing things. And people were like, oh, we didn't even know you had a flood. We didn't even know. That's right. Because we had permission to keep rejoicing in the midst of the testimony. Listen, I am overjoyed for what the Lord has given you. I am, brother, I am proud to know you. I tell you, I am, I am, I am, I am so proud to know you. Just your faithfulness and your heart for this community has been an example to me. And I'm just so proud to talk about you and what this church is doing. And I tell you, y'all not my style, but that's okay. (laughs) But, but I, but yeah, I know you need it. But I mean, I'm wearing the boots. I did wear the boots this morning. And I wear, and everybody's knowing that I got boots from Texas. But I just want you guys to understand something. I am so proud of your faithfulness and, and, and the house's faithfulness to never, never giving up on what God wanted to do. And, and I, I get it. Some people get tired and feel like, oh, I'm going to back up, but this is not the time to back up. 
Even if you're not going to be physically able to do certain things, we, we need your prayers. We need you to go on that land every once in a while and just intercede and just pray over the land. And when you men are working there, when you women are working there, just pray. Release the spirit of God in that place. And we're not fighting. We're not fighting people. We're just preparing for the glory of God to come in that place. And I believe it's going to happen. But I'm just, I can't tell you. Victoria and I, were in, we're just overjoyed with this blessing for your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this family. I thank you for... I thank you for the hills and the valleys. Amen. <laughs> Lord, these people got grit. They don't quit. And I'm so grateful for them, for the example that they've been. And so, Lord, I just, I pray for those that are with them and those that are not with them. I just pray that a spirit of just love and compassion would just begin to just pour out. And that, Lord, you're, they're too busy and in love with you to worry about who's not around. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a slight at anybody. I just want you to understand that. When you are full of love and compassion, there, you know there's other people that need him. And so, Father, I pray you counsel our hearts. Counsel, Lord, sharpen our gaze. Sharpen our gaze towards the promise that you have for us as a family, as a neighborhood, as a city. We just glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Love you guys. Love you guys. Amen.